With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, July 7th. We are excited to welcome a very special guest to the show for the second time, assistant football coach at the University of Tennessee, Derek Lett. Tonight, Derek is going to preview the upcoming football season. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564. Or join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino. Or follow us on Twitter at Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome, everyone. It is Sunday night. We are in July. We're past July 4th, and what that means for our show and hopefully everyone listening, that you're excited about college football like I am. Uh, Trey and I have been talking about this. We've been drooling ready for football, and we are so close, guys. I remember last year at this time we started, and and we just rolled from there. We're ready for college football, and we know you are. So just like Michelle said in the introduction, Coach Derek Lent will be with us tonight at 930 and what he's going to do is preview, actually, all 12 games for Tennessee, kind of give us the keys to Vols' victory in those games and maybe talk about the opponent. So we'll just see how he feels and how the conversation goes. And after that, we Trey and I will pick the games, actually, for Tennessee and make our predictions. We won't keep Coach Lett off. But it's been a busy week in sports and just so much happening. And we're going to start out in the NBA free agency. And I'm going to bring our co-host on to this program tonight, it's Mr. Trey I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me, so don't think for one second that you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. What's going on, Trey? What's happening, brother, man? It is uh, it is time to talk college football, and I know we're going to get right to that after some NBA, but it's good to be here, man. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us, and... In the chat room, we'll be introducing those. We've already got eight in there, so everybody's going to keep coming in. I'll give everybody's name in just a few minutes. Once we get going, the tray, a lot on the agenda tonight. I'm hoping we can wrap this up by 1030 Eastern tonight. That means, guess what? We've got to be moving fast and keeping everybody going. I'm going to go ahead and give the call-in number, 646-716-5564. If you'd like to call in and join us, get us in the chat room. You can ask questions during the interview online or call in, whichever one you want to do. So, Trey, let's start out with the NBA free agency. Dwight Howard, surprise, surprise, left L.A. and Kobe Bryant. 
Yeah, I mean, something that, I mean, not to, this is one of the few instances where I can really sort of, uh, you know, toot my own horn. I, I kind of, I predicted this as soon as he went to L.A., that he would only be there a year as for the rental agreement. And a very poor one that we found out last year. But, you know, Dwight Howard, you know, for all the critics, all of the, you know, Kobe Bryant not following um, Dwight Howard on Twitter and the, the comments that were made from Phil Jackson, I really do think that it's sour sour grapes and sour apples on the part of a lot of L.A. folks because they really wanted Dwight Howard. But, I mean, I think it's the best for him. I mean, you name a big guy who has worked with Kevin McHale who hasn't had a, just an enormous improvement in his skill set. Uh, and I'd be surprised because Kevin McHale is a, is a great uh, great coach for big guys. So, I think a lot of a lot of sour apples uh, across the league, Tarvin. Uh, so even in down in Dallas, which is really the big loser in this whole fiasco. Um, but I think for 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 uh, Dwight Howard or the Dwight Mayor, as some people have called him, uh, I think this is the best possibility. I mean, you have Jeremy Lin, uh, who's an okay player, but you have James Harden there too in Houston. But I mean, they have two centers now, Trey, and, and I want to back up to the interview the Lakers had with Dwight Howard. Kind of like their their speech their their final speech with him to get him. I mean, they bring Kobe Bryant in to this meeting, and he comes out. And you know, Kobe's arrogant, he's cocky, but he tells Dwight Howard, "Look, if you want to win, you need to be with somebody that knows how to get you there. Done it before." So, do you think Kobe really wanted Dwight Howard there? Do you think that meeting he came in and just just trying to to show him who's boss, really? Because if you want to get to Dwight Howard, I don't think bullying is the way to go, really. Right. I mean, I, I think that's that's the case. I mean, uh, Dwight Howard, and you know, for all all of the the sort of the hate on Dwight Howard, you got to think about this. He's ultimately a good guy to have on your team. He doesn't get in trouble. He's a guy who has a good off the court image. I mean, this is not a guy who, you know, is going into you know sort of establishments that you don't want your guy going into. He's actually, you know, other than you know the the jokes about his you know his kids. There's really not much to Dwight Howard other than the guy on the court who everybody thinks is sort of a whiny baby. Um, but, you know, the, that's the thing about Dwight Howard. You're getting a pretty good commodity. So I think L.A. did want him. I think Kobe Bryant knows that, you know, he's only a two- to three-year guy left in the league now. He needs somebody. I mean, Steve Nash is certainly not going to be there that long either. So for the, the Lakers, Tarvin, I think really now they're really worried about who the next face of this franchise is going to be because we know Kobe – is only going to be there for a couple of years. So, I mean, for L.A., mm-hmm. um, you know, while Kobe might have been bittersweet on it, Tarvin, I think because, you know, Kobe and Dwight clearly didn't get along that greatly. Um, I think for L.A., it's a, bit, it's a big blow. Well, I mean, looking at the Lakers, you should know. I mean, everybody in the country is able to gauge that that he's not coming back to L.A. He doesn't like D'Antoni's system. He doesn't like Kobe. He doesn't like the spotlight, really, in L.A. Just like Shaq said, he couldn't handle it, so he went to safe route and, and to a small town. But why didn't they get anything in return for this? Maybe like a, a sign-and-trade or something to where they're not left empty. I mean, they have nobody. Now all they have is the worst defense ever to be played in the NBA. Now you have Steve Nash, Kobe Gasol. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all you have. Now you lose a center. I mean, the leading rebounder in the NBA, really, your big man down low. I mean, who are you going to get to replace it? These guys have to play defense. I mean, they're going to get killed if they don't make some moves. 
They, I mean, they, they really do. I mean, I, I think, you know, unlike some other comments that we've seen from Phil Jackson saying, you know, hey, Paul Gasol is the guy anyway, that's that's all well and good, but that Paul Gasol is not the guy when it comes to center. I mean, you are losing uh, really the NBA's premier rebounder and shot blocker. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of her – I heard a lot of stuff on, you know, NBA chat rooms and, and on your radio discussing that, oh, well, Dwight Howard's not the superstar that you think he is because he can't hit free throws down the stretch or – you know, because he can't put up 50. But, you know, when you talk about a, an elite center who can actually take over the def- the game defensively and can drop 20 and 10 on, on somebody, even and maybe draw five you know five boards, uh, that's a pretty good guy to have. I mean, this is – we know basically from the Hibbert and Pacers series that, you know, a good center can almost change the entire nature of a game uh, or can. So, you know, Dwight Howard to Houston, when you have James Harden, who's a young guy and signed for a while – um, really changes the nature of the entire Western Conference. I mean, this is if he's healthy next year, Tarvin, which is a big key to what's happened in the Lakers this year. Uh, I think Houston's now, you know, a solid top tier uh, Western Conference team. The Lakers are a team who we may who may with Dallas be struggling to even make the playoffs. See, I still don't think, even with Howard healthy and and on Houston, I still don't think they're the same caliber team as OKC. Uh, you know, OKC is just too much star power on that. And I don't think they really have, in my opinion, though, just that point guard that can distribute the ball to those guys. I mean, Harden, I mean, he's not a star. I mean, he's a six-man on OKC, and then he put Dwight Howard there. Now, look, I think Dwight Howard has a chance, a better chance to win with Houston in the long run. But if he wanted a championship, I think he should have stayed in L.A., Trey. Because, I mean, who else is – I mean, Houston's not going to win an NBA title. They'll never sniff the championship game, I promise you. I don't care what Kevin McHale says, what pot dream he's giving out there to everybody. Dwight Howard just screwed himself up for right now winning a championship. And, you know, this is his third team in, in just a few years, Trey, and stars don't move teams like that. So I'm very concerned about Dwight Howard. He just doesn't seem to look right in a Houston uniform – and maybe the city will be better to him. But I'm just not convinced that they're still – they're probably a four or fifth team, fourth or fifth team in the West. But are they better – are they still good enough to maybe even, if they do win the West, to, to contend with Miami or Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think they still need a piece. I mean, let's be honest, they're not a complete team just yet. But they're just as a complete team to me as every other team in the West. I mean, there's not a team in the West that if you look at, they're not missing something that you'd like them to have. I mean, the only team that's really not missing anything right now is really Miami. Um, they, and they, they have such a complete group of you know contributing players. Uh, we'll see if they have it again next year. But, I mean, obviously I still think that the the Rockets needed somebody else. I mean, they really wanted Josh Smith. They didn't, Smith, they didn't get him. Uh, they needed somebody else. I mean, Chandler Parsons has been a great player, but they need, they need something else down low. In the front court, Certainly need another player who can score uh, and play some defense a little bit better than some of the guys they have. But you know, and then Jeremy Lin, I'm not so sold on as the point guard. You know, and if if he can't do it, then that sort of you know may leave James Harden by himself. So I mean, they could use um, really a couple more pieces, Tarvin. But they're they're just as complete to me as say Oklahoma City, who we're not really sure what they're going to be next year. I mean, they still have Serge, you know Serge Ibaka, uh, Russell Westbrook will be coming back from injuries. And then, of course, they have the, the game's premier scorer and uh, Kevin Durant. But, I mean, they still need a piece. I mean, we saw that Kevin Martin wasn't it, and Kevin Martin's gone now. So uh, they need another piece as well. 
So I have a question, Trey. If we go back in time and OKC never got rid of Harden, and he was a starter now, he never went to Houston, would Dwight Howard go to Houston without Harden? Because in his meeting with Houston, he pushed them that that they needed a number three guy. They needed another star on that team because Dwight Howard knows right now, looking at this team, that they can't win a championship. So what is Houston going to do? And would Dwight Howard go to Houston, Trey, if this never happened with Harden? No, I mean, I don't think he's ever, ever going. I mean, even with the Kevin McHale, I mean, this is a $30 million gamble, as uh, Paul uh, told us in the chat room. And that he, he he lost or took less money to go to Houston, which is another thing that I think some people have blown past. That he could have – L.A. was where all the money was. It's a, You know, he had the most money deal in L.A. But I think not only to work with Kevin McHale, but I, I think, you know, you're talking about James Harden. You're talking about a guy – who is and can be, I think, a premier player in this league. I mean, he was dropping 50 at points last year. So, you know, they still do need another piece. I mean, I think the Miami Heat showed us that, Tarvin. I mean, that the, the three players really are needed, even though that Chris Bosh was scoreless in Game 7. But you really do need a third player who's contributing. So they're still going to need somebody, I think, overall. Um, but, you know, other than the Rockets, Tarvin, the only other team in the West who's really making a lot of noise is really the Warriors, and I think they're getting scary good. So tell us about that real quick, what the Warriors have done in the free agency before we move off the NBA. But I, I really want the listeners to hear. Yeah, I mean, the big move that we got from the Warriors was uh, the fact that they were able to sign um, Andre Iguodala, which I, you know, they were in the Dwight Howard sweepstakes as well. But to be honest, I, I think for when you talk about the Warriors, I mean, you got Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, who who's really sort of stepped out in the postseason. You add Andre Iguodala, who has, has not only plays really great defense, but he's he's an all-around you know sort of five-tool guy to use a baseball term. The guy can get steals, he can get blocks, he can get rebounds, he can score a little bit. I mean, he's not going to put 20 down on you on a nightly basis, but he's going to get he's going to fill a lot of stat columns. And you add with David Lee coming back next year, then the Warriors could be really good around playoff time uh, if they start gelling. Hey Trey, well, what about Sacramento? Wasn't it Iguodala that they they offered that money to put an offer out, and then they pulled it back. It's yeah, not too, absolutely. Not too yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they did, and I, I kind of wonder what they were thinking uh, or why they didn't do that. Um, but you know, for the for the Warriors to get a player like Iguodala, who I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a really big star in this league, um, it's clear that he's not going to be. But he is a very very good solid player, uh, and him added to that team already. He is the exact piece the Warriors were needing. I mean, they, they still could use, to me, a really big guy in the middle who, who can kind of alter shots the way Martin Gasol kind of does. I don't have that player um, in my mind, but, I mean, Iguodala, Tarvin, I mean, he really gets the Warriors a solid playoff team. And now, depending on how they gel, um, you know, and how Bogut does with his knees, I don't know. But, you know, we'll see um, how they start actually start gelling. Well, just another news before we move off the NBA. Josh Smith from the, uh, the Atlanta Hawks trade signed with the Detroit Pistons. Good move or bad move for the Pistons? You know, I question the move. Um, and, you know, I know that, and I think a lot of people will do as well. The only thing I can think of is the Pistons were able to sell Josh Smith on their young players. Uh, obviously, Greg Monroe, a lot of people in the league think is a really elite up-and-coming player, that he could have a breakout season um, very, very soon. The, now, of course, you have you know Knight on that team as well, who showed good signs, but I'm not so sure he's ever going to be a great player. 
So we'll have to see. I, I don't know if Josh Smith, who, if you look at his numbers, he's the only guy who put up LeBron type numbers last year. I mean, he put up some 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 really big stats. Um, so you know, to me, I gotta think that he really does think there's a young core there, um, because I, I really scratch my head at that one. I'm not sure Josh Smith by himself can't carry a team, so he's gotta think that Greg Monroe and Knight are gonna take another step. And now we have to decide what the Atlanta Hawks are going to do. So it's going to be interesting to see. We will be following the free agency. Any moves, we'll be reporting it here. So stay with us for 30 seconds. We're going to go to a commercial. When we come back, we're going to discuss the Major League Baseball All-Star Game and balance. Just be one second. Thinking about switching telephone service for your business to voice over IP, but you don't know where to start? We'd like to tell you about Clear Voice VIP from Telesystems. It has more features than traditional phone service, is more reliable, and can save you up to 60%. Call us toll-free at 866-608-7182. Clear Voice VIP is business class phone service you can count on. 866-608-7182. We are back. We just discussed the NBA free agency, Dwight Howard's movement from the Lakers to Houston, uh, Josh Smith to the Pistons and Iguodala to the Warriors. So a lot's going on in the NBA. They're they're trying to keep up with Major League Baseball trade during their off season here. So we are close to the All Star game. We have the the team set, but we're just waiting on the what the last last what right in from each side, National League and American League, right, Trey? Yeah, we're waiting on the final five, the, the votes. Uh, it's kind of interesting who who each manager because. Uh, each manager gets to select who the last five sort of in are going to be, um, whether or not, you know, what kind of who, who what, what positions they are and that kind of stuff. The American League went with five relief pitchers for the final five vote, and then the, the National League was all position players, which was – and one of those position players happens to be uh, Puig. So we'll have to see, because not only do the Dodgers have Puig on that last five vote, uh, you also have uh, Adrian Gonzalez in the Dodgers. Uh, so the West Coast um, will be interesting to see how that vote goes from L.A. So who did you vote for from your American <laughs> and National League? I think if, if, I, if I'm a manager who I, who I want to come in, uh, it was Uhera from the Boston Red Sox. I think you know, he's really been very, very good this year, and he really gives you another good arm because obviously uh, interesting how the NL is going bats and the AL is going the extra pitcher. Um, but I think that, you know, He's the kind of guy who I'd want on my team. I mean, some of those other guys, I don't, I'm not sure that I would trust with the ball late if I'm having them in a one-run game. Uh, if I'm in the National League, Carvin, you know, you're talking about Hunter Pence is on that list, Puiz, you know, Adrian Gonzalez, Freddie Freeman. Um, you're talking about some pretty good hitters, but if I'm talking about a guy, and really this comes down to a sub is going to come off my bench, honestly, I think the best bench hit. Uh, Pinch hitter coming off those five is probably going to be Puig right now. He's super hot. Mm-hmm. He's doing pretty well with pinch hits. So, and obviously he's going to be. We'll see if he is the fan favorite. But if I'm a manager, as hot as he is right now, if I'm de- you know if I'm down a run or two, guys, I'm second and third. I think I'd like to have him up at the plate. You mean to tell you why he's going to get the fan vote? It's because he's everywhere in the news right now. Every every major news, radio, talk show, anything is talking about this guy. And you hear major league current major league players and and old players talking about it would be a travesty to let him in this game, and that makes the fans want to vote more and more for it. But looking at the rosters of the American League, Trey, 
just going down the list, any surprise to you? J.J. Hardy, shortstop, and we know Chris Davis is making it. But you look at Bartolo Colon, what is he, 68 years old and made the all-star team? Yeah, I mean, he's like 10-2 and two this year. He's having a great season. But, you know, what's really interesting about the whole about Bartolo Colon with me, and, and maybe I take a different slant on him than most folks, Tarvin, is Bartolo Colon is still tied up with that whole Florida PED scandal. His name is actually on the list. He's been suspended for, for you know, performing enhancing drugs before, and here he is with, you know, about 97 years old and, and having a fantastic year. He's 10 or 11 and 2, good ERA, uh, deserving to be on the all-star team. But, you know, I wonder, Tarzan, if he's going to get a late a late season suspension again. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> I, I just question his, 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 his resurgence back in the Major League Baseball. Well, Trey, uh, Jonathan made a comment in the chat room, and I had this on the list, a snub for the All-Star game, Matt Moore. Jim Leland picked Justin Masterson over him. And let's compare it real quick. Moore is 12-3 and with a 3.42 ERA. Masterson 10-7 and with a 3.78. That has you scratching your head a little bit, doesn't it? Right. I mean, it does uh, obviously make you scratch your head, um, especially with, with Jason Kittness. Uh, off the Indian, so it's not as if Justin Masterson was the only Indian, uh, which would make more sense, you know, if he was the only guy on the team. Um, I, I do think Matt Moore is a better pick. What, you know, what's interesting, if you look at, like, say the Giants have uh, a bunch of all-stars and the Oakland A's have one, if you look at their records, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, the Rays are, are, you know, are a pretty good team this year. Evan Longoria being left out, too, kind of surprises me um, a little bit. Um you know, just I mean, of snubs, I, I feel like those two guys had a pretty good, uh, a pretty good reason to be a little upset. I mean, Masterson is a head scratcher for me. Yeah, I mean that's just Jim Leland. I wonder if he's going to still be smoking cigarettes in the dugout during the game. That'll be something I'll keep my eye on. But Trey Mariano Rivera, that's a no-brainer. He made it and everything. But he blew a save today. Is that any is that any indication of how his second half's going to go? Looking at it, is he going to tie around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, he throws a cutter. It's not like it's a super, um, you know, one of those pitches that really tires your arm out. I mean, I think Rivera is going to blow some saves. I mean, he's blown two or three a year. He's he's kind of on pace. To, you know, I think he's blown two this year, if I'm right. I don't think it's anything to be overly concerned about. I mean, a great player in Adam Jones, got, you know, lit him up for a two-run homer. I mean, that's, that happens. Yeah, Adam Jones a good hitter. Chris Davis, you know, on that all-star team, like I said, going to be a starter. I mean, he was on the air the other day talking about he's chasing Roger Maris's home run record, Trey, because he believes that's the true home run record because he said Barry Bonds and those guys cheated. Uh, using steroids. Thoughts on on him saying that, and, and do you think he's clean? I know we talked about that, but if he's not clean, man, they're going to find out just because of that statement. Well, you know, if he, if he's legit, Tarvin, it's a very refreshing statement. It's a very uh, refreshing to hear. You know, really one of baseball's premier hitters this year coming out and saying, you know, that he thinks there's an asterisk by some of these players and their records. I mean. I, and it's something I've wondered a lot because baseball players are innately statistic-driven. And if they think the guys who are currently playing, there's some asterisks by some of these numbers, I mean, it really does make you think the culture might be changing a little bit in Major League Baseball, which would be nice. Yeah, it would be nice. And and the, the Major League Baseball, you know, is one of those sports where it's all about tradition and 
you know, the old guys, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, Roger Maris, and all those games. But, hey, speaking of speaking of some plays, did you get to see that play today from Machado for the Orioles at third base? I mean, did he look like Brooks Robinson to you, or I don't know if you got to see it or not. No, I, I haven't got a chance to see it yet. But, I mean, he's made some legitimately incredible plays this year on defense. Wow, this ball was hit down the third base line. It was, you know, it was on the line, and he hit it. He deflected it off his glove, and he was a good several feet out of in foul territory, and he throws the guy out going to first by a good step. I mean, it was probably the best play I've seen all year. I mean, what a gun. To have a gun like that at third base, man, that's that's just something impressive. And I know anybody, if you haven't seen that, go out. You'll see it on ESPN for the rest of the year probably, but make sure you see that play tonight. I mean, this guy, wow, that's all I can say. And we're going to stay in baseball real quick, Trey, and we will touch on the All-Star game again once once we get there. But Chipper Jones is back in the news, really, with his beef with umpire Angel Hernandez. And he's wanting Major League Baseball to fire this guy. He was watching the Phillies-Braves game Friday night, and uh, here it comes again, Hernandez. All of a sudden, he changes strike zones during the middle of the game. And what Chipper's wanting is Trey him to be fired. And if they're not going to fire him, he wants all the fans not to watch a game where Angel Hernandez is associated in it to maybe get Major League Baseball's attention. What are your thoughts about this? Well, I, I have not been an Angel Hernandez fan forever. I would not. I think baseball would be better off without him behind uh, behind the mask. He's one of those guys <laughs> who thinks he's bigger than the game. Uh, you, you, you watch a game that Angel Hernandez is umpiring behind the plate, and you tell me that he doesn't try to make the game about himself, that he doesn't take – I mean, he's a guy who as soon as there's a call that, that a player doesn't like, and maybe the player under his breath says something that, you know, you, know, you can't catch it on TV, you'll see Angel Hernandez take off his mask. I mean, you'll, he's the kind of guy who instigates and, and tosses players. He thinks he's bigger than the game, and I, I've always hated the guy. I really have. I mean, he's the only umpire that you can actually say that you know his name from all the controversy he surrounds. I mean, he's that guy. He is. And, I mean, if you know a, a baseball – look, the fans hate him, the players hate him, the managers hate him. So why do you have him there? One thing, if you're a player, if you're a coach, you want consistency. If you're going to call up a pitch four inches outside of strike, then by God, call it for both teams. Just be consistent, at least throughout the game. Even if you change your zone, at least make it consistent through that game. Angel Hernandez can't do that. He calls the way he wants to call at that time, and I think that's an issue. And I think if you're Major League Baseball, with somebody like Chipper Jones saying it, Chipper Jones is not one of those that's ever been in trouble, never been out doing anything crazy. And when he speaks, it's usually something – it's legitimate. So do you think Major League Baseball will pay attention to these comments? I don't. I mean, he's been so controversial. I mean, he's had he's on their radar for the longest time. I mean, they're not going to act now. Um, I don't think, you know, the former the former player, Chipper Jones, is going to really uh, be the tide that gets him fired. Well, I mean, it's just a lot going on with officiating, and I'm just hoping we don't go to the days, Trey, where there's no umpires back there because I want to see umpires back there. That's a part of the game. I don't want a computer telling me what a strike is and taking away the judgment out of the game, but you gotta, you have to be consistent. And, you know, we're just a couple minutes away from Coach Lett coming on, so we're going to let him get in the studio real quick, Trey. And I want to touch on something until he comes in, and if he comes in before, we'll we'll move after he after he hangs up. But... Urban Meyer finally comes out today 
and, or in the last couple of days, I can't remember the day or yesterday, and actually discusses the Hernandez uh, situation and, and wants to make sure everyone knows that it's not his fault what happened. You know, a lot of things have come out saying he covered up failed drug tests, Florida did for Hernandez, kept him out of trouble, really swept it under the rug. So, Trey, why now? Why Urban Meyer coming out now and not a week ago? Well, I mean, his timing, I mean, Urban Meyer is nothing but timing interesting, and he always seems to come out with a comment that makes you kind of scratch your head when he's actually saying it. I mean, Here's the thing. Do I think that he that he is a cause or that he should be blamed for what Aaron Hernandez did? Absolutely not. Um, do I think that he's the kind of quality coach who really would, I guess, uh, curb certain misbehaviors? Uh, I think he's the kind of coach that probably allowed it more than most coaches. He's not. I mean, look at say Mark Rick. I mean, you know, Mark Rick's had a lot of program issues. I mean, it happens at a big school, but you got to say that at least he has a, a very even-handed way he approaches it. You know, I'm not sure that, um, you know, Urban Meyer has that approach, Tarvin. I think Urban Meyer would do what it took to win. You know, I think he's going to he's gonna sweep things under the rug. He just seems like that type of a coach. And like they just posted in the chat room, 27 arrests from 2006 to 2009 in Florida, Trey. That's a lot of arrests. I mean, that's unheard of. And this is this shows you the type of player that Urban Meyer recruits. I mean, he wants to win. He doesn't care about your character. I mean, he had Tim Tebow there to take the light off anybody else. But, I mean, most of his guys were getting arrested, getting in trouble, and getting bailed out by Urban Meyer. And the thing is, Trey, Urban Meyer spoke to Belichick about this and told him that, that he was a real good kid. So he put his word out, put his name out for this kid, and look what happened. So how many other NFL coaches are going to believe what Urban Meyer said? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to reevaluate talent uh, right now in the NFL. And, you know, you see what the NFL is doing with the combine issue, and you just see that this this has kind of changed the landscape of, of players. I mean, I think that now you, a player who gets in trouble in college or and pros, they're going to get a quick hook. I mean, you're going to see a lot more dismissals and kicking off teams earlier, and they're going to see the NFL, I think, voiding a lot more contracts, you know, very quickly on versus um, the let some players sort of see how many times they can mess up. I think you're going to see a quick hook from a lot of these guys, especially in the college level as well. So speaking of this, Scott, I'm like the NFL is, is thinking about any kid that comes out of college that's academically ineligible, to not let them in the combine trade, do you think this is, is good for football? Is NFL finally taking a stand, trying to make sure they get the right the right young men in this league? Well, I think they're, what they're doing is a little bit of sort of a strong reaction to the Hernandez thing, which, which is odd because it really isn't a reaction to Hernandez. But I think what they're trying to do is, is say, look, you know, the NFL's got an image problem, and one of the ways you can sort of – and people have talked about this for a long time – is go to this this sort of issue of making sure these guys are overall well-rounded. And one of the ways you can do that is by saying, hey, if you're not academically eligible to play football, then we're not going to take you at the combine. It's just an interesting way to approach it. But, um, you know, it, I'm not sure if it will end up lasting or, you know, if they, even if they do implement it. Well, Trey, we're going to get back to this. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, uh, Tennessee assistant coach Derek Lett will be with us to go over uh, the Tennessee schedule, really, and give us the keys to victory for the Vols. We're real excited to have him back on the show, so we'll be back in 26 seconds. 
Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt? Or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt. Well, ActionWare Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. ActionWare, where your design comes to life. All right, we are back, and, and we're about to be joined live by assistant coach Derek Leth for the Tennessee Volunteers, Trey. I don't know about you, but I'm very excited to have him back on. Oh, yeah, such an honor to have uh, Coach Lett back on. You know, University of Tennessee, big-time program, big-time coach. So, you know, really good for for us to have him back on and really excited to break down our first schedule um, of the year. I mean, this is something that we, we started doing last year. This is our second year doing it. So, you know, Tennessee's going to kick us off in our, our preview shows. So looks like uh, Tennessee's got a lot of reason to be excited, and I'm excited to have Coach Lett on. Exactly, and Coach Lance not going to predict the wins and losses. He's not going to give you the winner of each game. He's going to give you the keys to to Tennessee winning, keys to the game. And after Coach Lett is complete, we're going to go through and, and give our predictions. So we're not going to take all of his time up. Coach Lett, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well tonight. How are you gentlemen doing? Doing great. Thanks for joining us again. We've got a lot of buzz after that interview uh, Wednesday night, so we're very honored to have you back on the show, and thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. I had a blast, and I'm glad people, I guess, enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. And anytime you get to hear from a coach directly that's associated with the team, it just it just brings so much more credibility to it. And we have a lot of Tennessee fans that follow the show and just SEC fans in general that, that really loved the interview and got a lot of praise about it, saying how great you were and, and how much they enjoyed it. So I'm glad we get to keep having you on the show. So this season I started looking at your schedule, Coach, and it's not easy by no means. I've been, I was looking through it, and if you can make it through uh, really September and October, Coach, it's going to be a great season. It's a It's a very tough schedule, and I know you're looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, it is a very extremely tough schedule, but anytime you play in the SEC, uh, it's going to be a tough schedule regardless. And uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to take the challenge head on, and we're excited. Our guys are fired up. Uh, remember, to, uh, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And we play the, uh, play the best every week, it seems like. They always say in the SEC, every Saturday is a championship Saturday. So we're fired up. We're excited. The coaching staff is eager to go. The players they're already fired up. We had the uh, girls on vacation this whole week, and uh, the weight room was closed down. However, players are still in the weight room on the 4th of July working out. That's how hungry our guys are right now. We're just fired up. We're just we're ready to go, chopping at the bit. Yeah, I bet, well, well, I bet it's exciting there, the atmosphere. And, Trey, go ahead. Sorry, bud. No, I was going to say, Coach, glad to have you back. I mean, um, one of the things that I, I think, uh, and I agree with Tarvin, just want to say, you know, you guys have, uh, I'd say, one of the tougher away schedules uh, this year. So we're really excited to talk about your keys to the game and, ha- and have you back. So thanks for joining us, Coach. Anytime. Well, I mean, the first game, August 31st, and you know it's going to be a sellout. The first game coming back, a new coaching staff and a, and a fan base that's very hungry, you know, to get back to the their winning ways. And I know a lot of Tennessee fans that are 
pumped even about Austin P coming into town, Coach. I mean, how are you preparing to that game? And give us your keys, actually, to that game. We don't. I know a lot of people don't know a lot about Austin P, but, I mean, how are they? I know you don't want to get bulletin board material, and I wouldn't ask you to. So what are you going to do, actually, I mean, the keys to Tennessee winning this game? Well, we're, we're pulling for uh, a sell-off for that game. Actually, within the last uh, five years, Tennessee has not had over 100,000 at the stadium in the home opener. So we're calling for whole, all of our nation to come out, Austin Peay Week, the opening game, and see uh, Team 117 first time on display. So we need everybody out that first week. But uh, to answer your question, Austin Peay is a pretty solid team. Uh, they, uh, they're not an SEC team, to be quite honest. However, they do have some good players and they have some players that do some things really well. Uh, but for us to win, honestly, we just need to do the most fundamental things right the whole game. Uh, just take care of the ball. Don't give up anything cheap like a, a trick play mm-hmm. or fumble the ball or something some silly like that or a special team such as that. Don't do anything silly like that and just let the atmosphere of Neyland Stadium home game, first home game, just take over and just make it a very hostile environment for Austin P. And that right there should just get us over that hump for that first game. Just be sound in all aspects of the game, special teams, offense, and defense. Just be sound. We don't need to do anything amazing as far as superhero plays or anything like that. Just have our guys play within each other, and uh, we should come out where, where, the way it should be. All right, Coach, what, you read that, so – you know, the keys to the game, you got us there first on, you know, Tennessee's opening weekend from Coach Lett. So, you know, Coach, moving on to, to Saturday, September 7th, you guys host, again, another another home game, another chance for the fans to come out and see you guys against uh, Western Kentucky, Coach. This is not a, uh, you know, if you know, looking at it from my perspective as, as a, you know, a, a co-host of this show, you know, Western Kentucky was a, a team that was over 500 last year. So what, what are your keys to, to being – uh, Western Kentucky. Real quick on Western Kentucky, they are a very, very good program. Very good program. Actually, Coach Z, the receiver coach, he was actually uh, offense coordinator a couple of years ago. They are a very solid program and actually have one of the best linebackers in the country, if not the best, and Andrew Jackson. This dude is amazing. You turn on the film and he's just knocking heads all left and right. This dude is a playmaker, and he will be playing on Sundays here in the near future. So they have some. They have a lot of talented guys, and they are a very, very, very good program. I can't stress that enough. They are a very good program. Got the new head coach, Bobby Petrino. So Bobby Petrino has a great track record as far as wins and losses. So you know they'd be extremely well coached, extremely eager to come in and beat an SEC school, which they did last year when they beat ten, uh, beat Kentucky last year. So they are a formidable opponent, and we uh, will must be on our A game to uh, to play with these boys. Uh, the most important thing for the, for us is, uh, honestly, they're losing their whole front four. They all graduated or went to go play at the next level. So we should be, we should run the ball well. If we want to win this game, we need to run the ball and take care of the ball and uh, block Andrew Jackson. <laughs> That's the key, block Andrew Jackson. He's he's a playmaker. He's honestly, I don't know how he slept, slipped through the cracks, but he's a big timer. Uh, as far as defensively, like, just don't give up anything silly. Do not give up plays to keep these guys in the game or give them a uh, side of hope or whatnot. Just keep these guys bottled up. And uh, that should pretty much 
get us where we need to be at the end of the game for that. Okay. Well, well, Coach, you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You're going to be 2-0 and going into September 14th. I mean, if you come to Tennessee these next two weeks or while you come to Tennessee, September 14th, you're at Austin Stadium playing the Oregon Ducks, a very good, sound football team that, you know, they've had a lot of success in the last few years. Kelly's gone now. So how are you getting ready for that game? I know you can't look forward to that. I mean, when when the week of the game comes, what are you guys going to do to get ready for that hostile environment you're going to? Well, well luckily for us, we, we play at Neyland Stadium, which is hostile. You know, it's loud every Saturday, no matter who we playing. So our guys should be used to that. And uh, Coach Jones, we pump in crazy crowd noises during practice. We we pump in babies crying, uh, car alarms, dishes breaking, all throughout practice. So we should be ready for uh, for us the environment and the crowd noise and whatnot. Well, Oregon is an extremely extremely good team. They actually. Uh, we joked about it. We called them an SEC team on the West Coast because they are a track team out there. They got guys that can just flat out run, and when they get the when they get the ball, they get going. And uh, they are an SEC team on the West Coast. Honestly, the, the key to success against them is uh, we got to take the crowd out of it early. We got to come in right away and uh, make some plays. Come in right away, and make some plays. Get that crowd to sit down and not yell. Uh, we have a coach on staff that actually played at Oregon for a year and then transferred out. And he say it's not it doesn't fit a hundred thousand like Neyland does, but the, the crowd is right there on you and it's loud. And it can it can get real loud once the, uh, you let Oregon stay in it. So take the crowd out of it. Uh, we got to take care of the ball on offense. We can't give them any extra possessions. As y'all know, back in back in the past few years, Oregon they, when they get the ball, they can score quick and they can score often. So as an offense, it's our job to make sure we don't we just don't give them the ball, give them any extra possessions because they don't have they don't need any help scoring. Uh, they have yeah. a really fast guy. Their running back, one uh, I think, he's probably the top running back in the country. He's extremely fast, uh, extremely fast. So we got to keep him contained, bottle up a little bit. Don't let him get out in front of us because if he's got in front of us, there's nobody in the country that's going to catch him. So that's the biggest thing for us defensively, just keeping that running back bottle up and uh, keep up with the tempo, which I guys, I really I really feel confident our guys won't have a problem with the tempo because of the way we practice and the way we play ball. So I think our defense will be ready for that. And our D coordinator, he's doing a phenomenal job getting our guys to rally to the ball, swarm to the ball. So I think we're going to be fine there. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, we're going to come in ready to work, ready to win, ready to play. And uh, we'll see where the chips fall. Okay. Yeah, right. definitely. Uh, I mean, one of the premier games uh, early on in the SEC, and you guys have it, Coach. So we're all going to be watching that game on uh, ABC, ESPN, too. Uh, so, Coach, that, that you know, next week you got another huge road game where you go down to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium uh, and, a, and a Gators team who won a lot of games last year, too, Coach. So, you know, what what are you guys going to do to, to, you know, keys to the game for the Florida Gators, especially coming off uh, the West Coast trip? It's, it's going to be uh, whoever made the schedule didn't do it with Tennessee in mind, to be quite honest. But we, like I said, we we, we invite the challenge. Uh, Florida will be coming up a bye week, actually, so they're going to be 
healthy, rested, fired up. So it will be a hostile environment. Florida, the swamp is a a pretty great place to play, and uh, it can get pretty loud in there. They're extremely fast on defense. Uh, that's what Florida's been known for, having a very fast defense, especially up front and then uh, on the back end. They're actually, a little side note, their D coordinator, Coach Durkin, he was actually the GA at Bowling Green when I was there. And he's, he, uh, I know him pretty well. He's a very intense, fiery guy. So I know that defense is going to still have that, have his mentality, mm-hmm. his makeup, and uh, they're going to be pretty fired up and uh, probably pretty crazy because Coach Durkin is a, a pretty crazy coach. So I know they're going to take on his personality, and uh, that defense is probably going to be the key to their team right there next year. Uh, but the keys for for us to, uh, to come out and have a, some, a little bit of success is actually uh, just like, always take care of the football, first and foremost. Um, they will go man-to-man across the board, so we got to beat man coverage quickly. Because they got the, the front four or front five that will get to the quarterback, and all they do is press man-to-man and say, my guy's better than your guy. So on the outside, we got to get off press coverage, win that, so uh, and win it quickly so our quarterback can get the ball out of his hands and not get smacked around a little bit. Uh then our defense got to be ready for anything. Got to find Trey Burton. They they put him everywhere. I mean, he's a quarterback. He's a receiver. He's a tight end. He's at H-back. I mean, wherever he's at. So we got to find him defensively and uh, keep him in the reins. But it's hard to say what, say what you're going to get with, with Florida as far as uh, what they're going to do on offense. One game, they'll run the ball 40 times. Next game, they'll throw it 40 times. So it's hard to say exactly what you're going to get. And uh, since they're week four, we haven't completely broke them down just yet. We watched all the personnel and things like that to know who's coming back as far as their strength and weaknesses. But we'll watch them more after week one and week two to see exactly what what the MO is. But like mm-hmm. I said, one week they'll run it, next week they'll throw it. But the key to us is just taking care of the football, and we will have to probably make a play on special teams, whether it be blocking a kick, uh, returning the punt, something of that nature, something to shift the game, still a, still a score, still a possession, something like that to uh, to come out the way we need to come out. Well, Coach, you know, I mean, in football, you can't take any opponent lightly. And, and the last two games, the Oregon and Florida game, on the road, you come back home to Neyland Stadium and you play a South Alabama team that, you know, won two games last year and nobody knows much about. So so tell us what you know about them and how you're going to keep your, your players from really, you know, letting down after two emotional road games. Uh, probably won't have any problem with let down with Coach Jones and his staff. We uh we make sure guys know that we respect every every opponent. They got 85 guys on scholarship just like we have 85 guys on scholarship. Uh, and we don't leave anything to chance. And uh, me being from Pensacola originally, from the Gulf Coast, I know a little bit about South Alabama. They're uh, actually new to Division One recently, but they they find some quality players that slip through the cracks, whether it be grades or they get it from JUCO or whatnot. So they they are a solid program, and they will be up and coming real quick. Uh, they, so they have a hand, handful of talented players right now, especially for a mayor major. And they also, too, will be coming up for about a week. So they have two weeks to prepare for us after we're coming off two tough two tough opponents at Oregon and at Florida. So they have two weeks, and they'll be fired up to play in SEC school. They'll be fired up to come to Neyland Stadium. And uh, and that's when we call on Vol Nation again. So, Vol Nation, if you hear me, get on out, especially that week. 
Oh, we need all 105,000 here making it hostile for South Alabama. Get it in there. Get it rocking. Get it yelling. Get it loud in there. That way uh, it'd be hostile. But the most important thing against the South Alabama team is rule number one, don't beat yourself. Just take care of the football. No silly mistakes. No silly penalties. Just play solid defense. Swarm to the ball. Uh, don't give up any stupid stupid trick plays, stupid reverses, things of that nature. Uh, don't give up anything on special teams. Special, don't give up a, a kickoff return or a punt return or don't let them block a punt, anything like that, just to give them uh, a cheap score. If we do that and just do the, the, the basic fundamental stuff of football, we should win this game. All right, Coach. We're going into game six. I mean, you guys are still at home for, for game six against Georgia. But, you know, Coach, again, talking about your schedule, you know, of the first six games, three are against teams who won 11 games last year. And, Coach, this is one of them. you got Georgia coming into town. What are your keys to victory, uh, you know, when you're dealing with Aaron Murray and, and Gurley there on that offense for Georgia? Yeah, uh, that's, that's going to be a tough game. Uh but we, like I say, we're eager to play them. They're extremely talented at the quarterback position, at the running back position, even at the tight end position. Uh, they played the championship game last year. They're very well coached. Coach Rick's been there, Rick's been there for, for 13 years, I believe it is, 13, 14 years. However, they will be replacing eight starters on defense. So uh, we should be able to find a way to exploit them on defense somehow, some way. That, 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 that's the key for us. Is to find a way to – they're going to have eight new guys out there. Find a way to uh, get some points on the board. Uh, like I said, no turnovers in offense. It's going to take a few big plays. Take a few big plays to get our crowd really going. Get our crowd really going. Have that place just deaf. Well, you can't even hear anything. Really just drown George out of there. And that right there with some big plays, a couple turnovers on defense. Uh, make it a, like a, a hostile environment. It has to be hostile. That way we can uh, rally that quarterback, rattle that tight end a little bit, and uh, let those chips fall where they may as well. But the key is a big play on offense, a big play on special teams, hostile environments of all nations. Get on out and make it loud. Bring your, your milk jugs, bring your cowbells, bring whatever you can. Make it loud. <laughs> make it loud. Make it loud. And uh, we, they have a great running back duo. So our our defense swarm to the ball, don't give up uh, any long runs. We we should be where we need to be, and when uh when it, and it's all said and done. Well, coach, you know after this six games, you're gonna know where you stand, and you know you're gonna catch your breath during a bye week. But guess what? The schedule, I mean, it doesn't let up in October <laughs> at all. You just have Georgia, and now. You have South Carolina Gamecocks, which I remember last year, that was the game Lattimore got hurt in, and you mm-hmm. guys almost pulled it out, almost pulled out the win. So they're going to come back in the Neyland Stadium probably with a little payback on their mind. But this schedule is brutal, Coach, and, and I know you know that. I'm not telling you anything new. But South Carolina, even though they lost Lattimore, they still have a lot of talent, don't they? Oh, without a doubt. When you say South Carolina, the first thing that comes to mind is Clowney. I mean, this, this dude's a game changer. He's a he's a once in a lifetime player. I mean, he he literally changes games at that position, and that that's the, that's honestly the key to victory with them is find a way to uh, contain because you're not going to stop clowning. Find a way to contain clowning. 
We we have a, our strongest part of our, our team is probably our offensive line. We have the our offensive line is all coming back. We got some really 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 talented guys up front. So we're putting our strongest guys against their strongest guys, and let's play ball. And uh, I feel very confident that our guys will uh, be up for the challenge, especially uh, Antonio Richardson at the left tackle spot. He's a uh, he's a guy to be reckoned with. He's fun to watch. He's hungry. He he uh he invited the challenge last year, and he's looking forward to the challenge again this year. So that's the key. If we if we're able to, because Clowney makes that team go. As you when Clown when the team is going, the team is in a little low. Clowney come up and make a big play, get that whole team going again. So the key is to keep Clowney contained as much as possible. Uh, no big plays given up by the defense. And if we take care of the football and just have some fun and just ball out. Big plays by the uh, receivers. By this time, we should have a great feel for for the offense. The receivers should have a great feel with the quarterback. Great relationship. The offense should be clicking on all cylinders by this time. We should be in in midseason form. So we should have some big plays, and that should have Nealon completely rocking. Nealon needs to be the loudest it's ever been that week right there. The loudest it's ever been. And uh, yeah, it's coming. And that should be the keys right there to at least put us in position uh, to have a chance that game. Yeah, that's a tough game in the SEC. And, and I brought Sonia on. Who else better than to represent the Tide tonight to discuss this next challenge against the Alabama Crimson Tide on the road, your two-time defending champions. Sonia? Hello. How we doing? How you doing, Coach Lett? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. Good. I saw the updates. I know you guys are busy, and and it's been so much positive and awesome feedback from your uh, your interview on Wednesday. So I just wanted to give you kudos for that. I think you've gotten a lot of people, other than Vols fans, fired up about the Vols. I'm going to be looking forward to uh, Jason and I were talking about it. We're going to be looking forward to seeing you guys every Saturday now too. Well, good deal, good deal. We uh bringing Tennessee back. That's our goal, and uh, we're going to show uh, we're going. Have fun back here in Tennessee. Put All Tennessee right. Back, back in the center of college football. Back in the center. There we go. It's always good when uh, when both teams, no matter who it is, you want to see both teams bring their A game. It makes the games much more exciting, and it's just it's it's like one of those this is real football, kind of like uh, Alabama UGA in the SEC championship last year. But mm-hmm. we're discussing you guys. So my question is what do you have on deck for that Crimson Tide? You know, that's the one game, sweetie. I, I will cheer for you. I will root for you. I will wear that daggone orange on every Saturday except for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But like you said, uh, it's, we will need our A game that game. We will need our A game that game. They are like the defending champs. They're counted at all the positions, especially at quarterback. He's a veteran. Wide receiver, they got some studs out there. Amari Cooper, running back, Lacey, who I, I really enjoy watching. He's a, he's a, he's a really good backer. Right? Uh, he's a Sunday player. And then their D-line is always strong. That's one thing about Alabama, no matter what. Their D-line is always strong. With that being said, Texas A&M kind of made a blueprint for uh, how to beat Alabama with that big style defensive line. You get that big style defensive line running. You don't let them substitute, all right? They get tired quickly. Uh, so that would be our plan. 
that's probably one of our keys is to to keep keep when we get them on get get them on their heels. We got to keep going. Uh, don't let up. Mm-hmm. Don't give them time to substitute and just keep playing. But this is a game right here where it is it is going to take somebody to make a superhero play, a big time catch or one hand catch or a shoestring tackle, something like that that we're going to have to do on our end to to, 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 to throw in the, the champions because these guys. They don't make mistakes too much, and uh, when they do, they're talented enough to make up for it. So on our end, we gotta we gotta have a superhero play. Uh, it's gonna be a, we're gonna need a, almost a flawless game for us. No turnovers, no mistakes. It's gonna have, we're gonna have to play our best ball that that game. That game. Uh, we're gonna have to score in an unconventional way, whether it be a pick six, a sack fumble, something like that, or a special teams, a block punt. We're gonna have to score some kind of way, other than offense. Because you're not going to just line up and drive them all up and down the field in Alabama right now. They they are they're the man right now. And, uh, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So we're going to go in with that. Uh, we're going to go in with that mindset. We are extremely confident. It's going to take our A game. If we bring our A game, we like our chances. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Bama definitely is going to be preparing. Um, you know, that's the biggest mistake with with the Crimson Tide is. Uh, like with Tam U last year, it just it was one of those they overlooked it. It was kind of like ah, you know, it'll be easy. This will this will be nothing. And they just basically, I mean, I give Tam U props. They came in and they and they won. You know, they walked away with a victory. But you know, there were no excuses. Alabama just did not play like the Crimson Tide. So that's I, one thing I, I that I know. Um, after listening to you, <laughs> after, after the first. <laughs> and seeing just what you guys are doing up there in Knoxville, I think that's something that Coach Saban and, and Kirby and the rest of our guys are going to have to take a look at and make sure that we don't dismiss Tennessee because the way you guys are coming, it's like you're coming to play, you're bringing your A game, and you're going to be ready. Uh, thank God it's at B. Denny. So <laughs> <laughs> we can get everybody there and get the crowd behind us. But uh, the one thing about our rivalry that I, that I really do love is there's always a mutual respect with the Vols, even with the whole former situation. It wasn't against the Vols team. It was just against him. But <laughs> there's always been this respect um, for Tennessee. And, and I mean, when you look at the only two SEC teams represented in the all-time winningest programs are Tennessee and Alabama. You mm-hmm. know, and actually we're right behind each other. I think uh, Alabama's number seven and Tennessee's number eight or something like that. So when you've got – two teams with that tradition, that history. And, I mean, Tennessee won the very first BCS bowl game or uh, BCS national championship. You know, and you see the players. You've got Peyton Manning and all these guys who've come out of Tennessee. There's no denying the heritage and the tradition there. So when you bring guys like you with this, you know, Butch is coming in and he's got this great staff and you've got these players that are, are fired up and, as you said, hungry. You know, they're hungry. And the biggest thing for them to, to do would be to topple Alabama. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it. And I'm definitely not as uh, secure <laughs> as I was before. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll count that one. But now it's like, I don't know. I don't know. But that will be one game that I'm looking forward to, and I can't wait to see you on the sidelines. We're going to make some trips up to Knoxville and, and hang out with the family and, and root for you. And like I said, I'll wear that orange for you. But October 26th, sweetie. I'm looking forward to looking forward to it. But uh, little birdie told me that uh, Alabama is, cha- is completely changing uh-huh. the way they work out things of that nature because of Tamu. I don't think they overlooked Tamu. 
I, I strongly believe that uh, their style of play, mm-hmm. Alabama style of play, did not match Tim U's style of play. And uh, Coach Saban realized that, and the rumor has it is, I don't know how true this is or not, mm-hmm. they've changed their whole off-season workout, their whole summer workout, so they're able to beat Tim U and uh, handle that fast-paced offense. Because at the end of the day, I think at the end of the year last year, I think Tam U was better than it, uh, was probably one of the best teams in the country. They uh they they're they're lost at the beginning of the year, and once they they, they got clicking on all cylinders, whew, and that that Johnny Manziel, we we actually broke down uh, all of the uh, Texas A&M offense. Mm-hmm. Just we don't even play them this year, but we, we watched them, and uh, they do some very good things offensively. And it's easy to do when you got a quarterback like Johnny Manziel who could just run around and play football. He uh he's like a a smaller version of Big Ben. I mean he just runs around and then he tosses it up. But if he decides to run, he can run. He can run. Oh yeah, I tell you what, someone definitely had them ready. And just like uh we were listening or Jason was listening to uh S V P and Rosillo not too long ago they had Kevin Sumlin on. And and first of all, well I do agree with what you just said. It was and when Tam U hit their stride, it was just kind of like they were a joy to watch. I mean, their bowl game was just—I was sitting there just like, dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> These guys are just bringing it. But the one thing also is, of course, the same way that they were breaking down, and and you guys were breaking down Manziel and his style of play. Of course, every other team is. So some of those tricks that he used last season, he's not going to be able to do because people are going to be prepared for it. But I definitely have to say someone, um, what was it, baby? He said something about um interview about not, like, not bringing the same thing to uh, to the field. Yeah. <clears throat> no, Saban's got a year to prepare for this. I, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be you. Yeah, but we <laughs> But I'm I'm glad, and I'm, I'm uh, thank you, Tarvin and Trey, for uh, bringing us on for the Bama game. We're going to let you guys continue, but good luck, Derek. I'm so proud of you. Great hearing uh, a lot of the feedback also about the other teams that you're going over. So we're just going to stay tuned, and we will see you guys October 26th, and we'll see what happens. Go well. All right, thank, all right, thank you, Sonia. And, and, Coach, I'm going to take a caller before we break down these next four real quick. Uh Big, big Tennessee fan wanted to come by and say hello and ask a question. His name is Michael Cowart. Michael, you're on the air. Hey, Coach Flett. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, Brian and Coach Flett, can you hear me? Yes. How you doing, Michael? Good. Uh, first of all, great job um, on the offseason. Congratulations on the recruiting class. A lot of uh, – a lot of enthusiasm amongst the ball fans. Right now I'm on the Young Alumni Council at Tennessee, and, and it's a lot of buzz out there. Two two quick questions for you. Um, as a former receiver yourself, that's the big question mark uh, for Tennessee this year. Who can we look for to sort of make some noise uh, and sort of fill in where Hunter and Patterson left off last year? Um, another question, will we see the beast package? Will A.J. Johnson be in there running that, that beast package, which was so exciting last year to watch? And then can you give us an update on where the quarterback situation is and how are you know Ferguson and Dobbs filling in right now and where does it look like we're looking for a, for a starter? Thanks for, for coming on the show and, and for giving us your insight. Go Vols, and I uh, look forward to hearing your answer here. Thanks, uh, Tarvin, and I'll, I'll pass it on and, and listen to the answer. Thanks. All right. First question, uh, 
it's harder to place a first round draft pick in Cordell Patterson and Hunter, who was a second round pick right at, right at the beginning. Uh, we're going to replace them by committee. Honestly, our goal is to have a top receiving core in the country. That's our goal. So we won't have one player that has 1,000 yards and whatnot. Uh, do we have a player with that ability? I believe we do. We haven't found him yet. Uh, we had three or four freshmen come on, uh, came in about three weeks ago. Uh, we like how Marquez North looks as far as statue. Uh, we like how Josh Smith looks. Uh, we have a JUCO receiver that we just brought in from uh, Texas. He's a nice slot receiver, very quick. Uh, Pig Howard, Devin Young are both taken into the slot position pretty well. Uh, once they get a grasp of their entire offense, we like what they can do with the ball in their hands. Kroon, he looks like a million bucks. I mean, he's 6'3", 220. I mean, he looks like an SEC receiver, so he, he may help us out a little bit as well. Uh, Paul Harris, he looks really good. The key to all our receivers is they got to get uh, our style of offense down. We run a lot of plays. We run them fast. So once they get their legs underneath them for a whole game or a whole practice or a whole summer, a whole spring ball, then we can see exactly how talented they really are right now. They got to get our tempo down. Once they get our tempo down, then they can play ball. And uh, we're looking forward to, uh, like I said, a young cat, I would maybe say Marquez North because he just looks amazing. But, yeah, we haven't seen him with pads on him, so we don't know exactly what he can do. Uh, but as a core, we're going to be okay. Uh, what was that second question again? And Trey, do you remember the second question? Well, I know, Coach, you'd ask you about if you could uh, sort of fill in the, the quarterback competition. And the oh, that's right, the third the, one. Yeah. The question right was now, about the beat yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the second, uh, Worley and Peterman are both battling it out right now. Worley had a really, really, really good spring ball, extremely great spring ball. Uh, Peterman, he picked it off really well. He does some things nicely. He moves really well. Uh, Riley Ferguson and Josh Dobbs have both come in and picked up the offense. We haven't seen them exactly play just yet. Ferguson and Dobbs, we uh, we hear good things about them. Uh, Ferguson, I mean, he has a great work ethic. Every day he comes in. And he does his little ritual where he has to throw the ball between the goalposts for the fifty. He does it every day. He has a great work ethic. Work ethic. Uh, Dobbs, they say he's a natural born leader, smart as a whip. We brought the Navy SEALs in to do a workout with our guys probably uh, about three or four weeks ago, and uh, they challenged the guys thinking in hostile situations, and they say Dobbs just lit it up. Dobbs was just phenomenal at it. And he was a, a 4.0 student, so we know what we get with him. He's extremely smart. But uh, right now, if I had to put a finger on it, it'd probably be Worley 1 and Peterman 1A right now. And we'll see where the two young bucks come in and play once camp starts. But uh, like I told the guys at the barbershop a few weeks ago, we're going to be fine at quarterback. We got some guys that can sling it, and they're in the right offense. So we'll be fine there. And as far as the beast package, uh, we didn't see too much of it during spring ball. Uh, we want, want AJ to concentrate a lot more on defense. Uh, we're looking for him to do some really, really, really big things and lead our defense this year. Uh, our defense was kind of lacking, even though we had some good stats for us. He had a hundred and some tackles. He's an All-American, preseason All-American, or whatnot. However, our defense was still one of the worst-ranked defense in the, in the conference last year. So we want to try to keep him focused on defense and bring our defense where it needs to be, playing the SEC championship football. So we don't know about the beast packages yet. Well, Coach, that's a 
thank you for him taking the call there and answering those questions. I mean, I think uh, one of the people in the chat room said you nailed it. So great, great breakdown of those questions. So, Coach, let's move on to uh, the schedule here. We're coming off uh, the big game in Alabama, and, and Coach, just I, I told the chat room that I uh, was scratching my head how tough your guys' schedule was. I mean, Alabama, another team of 11-plus wins. But, you know, even after the Alabama game, you, you travel on the road, in new SEC territory with Missouri, who um, you know did okay in their first year in the SEC. So, tell us about going to Columbia, Columbia Missouri, uh, and what your keys are to taking the Tigers out. Missouri's uh, going to be a lot better this year than they were last year. They got, uh, I think, they have fourteen or fifteen returning starters. The quarterback's coming back next year, which is huge for them. Uh, they have a really, really good cornerback, a DB. Uh, last name Gaines. He's really, really solid on the outside. And uh, Coach Pinkle, that's one of his prize recruits from a couple of years ago. And this dude is pretty good. He's uh, he's uh, he's locked down. So I got on the, on the on our offense receivers. We're gonna do what we gotta do to get off get off of him. We gotta play fundamental football. Do I, do what we're taught to get off this guy. He's really, really good. We get off of him, and uh, we'll be okay. The key to this game, though, we got to play the entire game. Last year we had these guys. We dominated in the first half, and then the second half we just kind of laid down and ended up going to four overtimes or lost in overtime. So we got to play the entire game against these guys, uh, handle, the, handle the, the, the environment right off the bat, attain that quarterback that they have. He's really good. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, and then make big plays early to take the crowd out of it. And then at the end of the day, make a big play here, a big play there uh, in the second half to put the game away. And that's what we, we missed last year. We uh, we didn't have a big play in the second half, and uh, we let them get back in the game. Well, Coach, I mean, the next team coming into town, the Auburn Tigers, 3-9 and nine last year. And, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, it's going to be an easier game, but we can't look at last year. We have to look at this year and – I don't know what you guys are expecting from the Auburn Tigers, but they remind me of Tennessee in a way, a whole new coaching staff, underachieved. So how, how are you looking to get past the Auburn Tigers on November 9th? Yeah, we uh, we looked at Auburn just just briefly. They got a brand, a brand new head coach, so pretty much a new staff. So we don't know exactly what, uh, what they're going to bring to the table. What we do know is uh, they're bringing back their defense. They have 15 starters coming back total. Uh, they're bringing back their defense. Their entire D line is coming back, except one guy, who ended up getting, who, had, who ended up leaving early. But with that being said, we know that their defense is going to be the hardest over the team. So offensively, we got to go crazy in Neyland. That's what we got to do. Their D line is their strongest unit. Our O line is their strongest unit. It's our strongest unit. So our best versus their best, and uh, made the best unit win. If our O line has a better day than the D line. We should come out the way we should, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Maybe line dominates our whole line. There we go. But we we need to have big plays in the offense, and against a team like Auburn, who's coming off a tough season, uh, don't give them many plays early. Don't give them anything cheap. Uh, take their confidence early. Neyland should be rocking. Hopefully, we're coming off a big win at uh, Alabama or Missouri and Alabama. So Neyland should be rocking because we haven't been there in two weeks. So, calling all of all nation, make sure you're there that week as well as homecoming. So, let's go crazy, and uh, we'll see where those tips fall as well. 
Okay. Well, coach, coming coming off the you know two straight Tiger opponents, uh, really another surprise team last year. But you're coming home at least was the Vanderbilt Commodores. You won nine ball games last year. So tell us about you know Vanderbilt and that Tennessee game all the way down in November. Hmm. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> it's a, don't want to say too much about Vanderbilt. Uh, Let's put it like this. It's our, it's a, it's our last home game. Uh, they're coming to Neyland Stadium. We're going to play Tennessee-style football. We've won 17 out of 18 last times. We're going to play Tennessee-style football. Coach Bush is own style football. We're going to take care of the ball. We're going to be fundamental on all aspects of the game, and we're going to hit people and make plays. That's our goal against Vanderbilt. That's our goal against Vanderbilt. And that's all I'm really going to say about those guys. Just because I'm ready to play that game. <laughs> I thought yeah, you might say something like that, Coach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough one. And these games are very important this time of year. I mean, November is easier for you than the other months. But still, there's no cakewalks on there. Even you look at November 30th, you go on the road to Kentucky, and that that, that team plays better at home than, than you think they do. And a new coaching staff stoops there. He's lighting a fire kind of like you're doing with Tennessee. What are you going to mm-hmm. expect from the Kentucky, Wild, the Kentucky Wildcats? Because this could be a huge game for you guys. This is a huge game, and uh, this could be a bowl, uh, going to a bowl game game for 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 both teams. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but new new coaching staff, uh, Coach Stoops who was a D coordinator for the last year, so we know he's going to be focusing a lot on defense. So the defense should be a lot better. But uh, we hear coming out of their camp, they're trying to do this air raid offense where they want to. They want to toss the ball around a little bit. They want to spread out and throw it a little bit. So uh, our key success for that game is just to, to keep the ball in front of us, no big plays. It's a, it's a rivalry game, so you kind of throw everything out the window and just play ball. Uh, we're going to let our guys know that they're, they're playing for for one of the story franchises who owns who's owned Kentucky in the past. We, we're going to have a whole bunch of guys, alumni, former veterans, coming in, watching the game, calling in, tweeting, texting about this game. Because it's one thing we, we don't do in Tennessee is lose to, uh, to the team up north. So our key to success is just play ball. Play ball and do what we do. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see, I mean, we'll see what do. kind of offense they have. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of new coaches in the SEC and, I mean, there's there's new fire in the SEC. You know, Coach, the SEC's been dominant over the last few years, but I just have a feeling they're going to they're gonna be more dominant because now the teams that were down are going to come back up and the teams that are up, I don't see any signs of slowing down right now. So this could be a very interesting year in the SEC. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. You, you may have anywhere from 10 to 11 teams in the SEC that could beat each other any other week. I mean, you got you got your power your normal your normal powerhouses in Alabama, Florida, and all them. Then you got us who who've been powerhouses before and had a few down years, but we're up and coming again. So the SEC is, is uh, NFL scout real quick. NFL scout came in uh, during Pro Bowl time. I mean, during uh, combine time, and he said there's three conferences in college in uh, all of football. It says the AFC, the NFC, and the SEC. Those are three conferences in all of football because the SEC 
is great football from the top to the bottom. You can put some of the bottom teams in any of the conference and they would dominate. I mean, it, it's just great football every Saturday. Everybody plays really good football in SEC, and it, it's tough. Every Saturday is the championship, and uh, every phone yep. call or recruiting is the championship. That's how you got to treat it. And uh, it's a privilege to be in the SEC. Uh, it, it's a privilege that you pay for. It's tough. It's tough. It is, Coach. I mean, it's every week's arrival now. I mean, every team <laughs> has something against the other team. So every week your rival's coming to town or you're going there. And I just want to thank you, Coach, for answering these questions very thoroughly. And, and I know you had to hold some back because I, I knew you would, and I expect that. But everybody enjoyed the interview. Um, I really do appreciate you taking the call from Michael. I appreciate Sonia coming on. But, Coach, I'm excited about having you on on Sundays after the games during the season. That's going to be very exciting to get your breakdown. I'm, I'm excited about that, too. Looking forward to it. Uh, I, I live in a house with three women. I have a wife and two daughters, so I don't get to talk too much football really at home. So this this is this is an honor. This is, <laughs> this is, fun, this is fun for me. <laughs> this, this, is, yeah. this is fun for me. And I, and I know Vol Nation is out there listening. And Vol Nation, just be fired up, man. Uh, we're We're excited about football here again in Tennessee and Rocky Top. And we look forward to seeing y'all come out to all the games on Saturday. And uh, we're back. It's a, it's a same tradition, new era. We're back, babe. We're back. So uh, be fired up. Wear your orange again. I want to see everybody out in orange. <laughs> well, Coach, Coach, I'll be in orange, I promise you. But it might not be the ball orange, but it'll be orange. <laughs> but I'll be pulling for you every game this year but one. So I wish you luck and and I know you're a great coach, and you, you guys are going to do a great job with these guys. And I'm very excited, and I know the Vol Nation is excited to see what you can do this year and in the years to come. But thanks again for coming on, and we really enjoyed it. All right, thank you so much. I have a good night. Thanks, Coach. Uh, you too, sir. That was Coach Derek Lett for Tennessee Volunteers. Great job, great interview, Trey. I mean, I'm excited about Tennessee football, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm not excited about that schedule. If they can make it through that, I mean – Wow. I mean, I, I believe they can. Yeah, I mean, we're about to – let's get right to it, Tarv. I mean, this is a – you know, i got to say, one, probably one of the toughest schedules in the nation. I mean, just insane <laughs> how many tough games they have. So, so Tarv, let's, let's start it off with uh, with the first couple games. I mean, I don't think uh, either one of us are going to be – and by the way, Tarvin, if you want to give them the call-in number, um, we're you know, I told everybody we would take their calls after Coach Lett was on. You want to call in and talk about uh, the Tennessee Vols versus your team, or just Tennessee Vols in general? Yeah. We're going to start taking some phone calls. So, Tarvin, give out the call number and let's uh, let's go ahead and put these two wins on the board in the first two weeks for Tennessee. Well, Trey, hold on to that six four six seven one six five five six four. We do have two callers. The first one is from the eight five zero area code. Uh, you're on way in sports. Who's this? Hi, I'm Lisa Carson, Derek's Lett mother, Coach Lett. Hello, how are Hi. you? I'm doing good. I just want to say Tennessee is going to be fine. They have one of the best assistant coaches there, my son. <laughs> absolutely. I, definitely. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. He is very competitive. He's very, very competitive. But I think Tennessee is going to be fine because they have Coach Jones, Coach Z, and a lot of other wonderful coaches there on staff. But I'm looking yeah, forward to Alabama. 
<laughs> You've done a I'm great looking job forward to the time. Alabama game. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to Alabama and uh, Florida game with Tennessee. I think a lot of people are, are looking forward to those games as well. Uh, well, thank you for giving us a call. Thank you. You're, you did raise a, a great son. He's a, a world-class football coach, uh, so we really enjoyed having him on, and we appreciate you giving us a call as well. I want to thank you guys for having him. I want to thank you all for having him. Well, you're very welcome. It. I want to thank you for thank you for him coming on. I mean, it's been a privilege and an honor to have your son, a coach in the SEC, to come on and break it down. That's the best breakdown you can get. I mean, a coach that's right there on the field with the players and and he knows exactly what's going on. We really appreciate it. Well, I have to say this. I'm gonna let you guys go. He started playing football at six, at the age of six. He dreams and eat and sleep football. You guys have a good night. (laughs) He's in his element. Absolutely. But thank you all and have a good night. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for calling in. That was Derek Lett's mom. And, and Trey, I can tell he's very competitive. Couldn't you tell when the interview, you could tell when you set a couple of teams, you could could hear the fire in his voice, couldn't you? Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Tennessee has a lot of payback on its mind. Uh, from from last year's schedule, I mean these, these guys, um, you certainly heard it. In the, I think in the Vanderbilt uh, game, I and mean, they really want. I think, uh, and it's not it's not uncommon. I think fans want to get back at some of these games too. I mean, they, they lost some games in the SEC. I think they could have won had you know had a player team gone differently. I mean, I think the Florida game uh, could have gone differently last year. Of course, they ended up getting beat by 17, but. Um, you know that was a game that I thought they could control early on. It was it was you know it was closer than I think a lot of people thought. So, but Tarvin, um, you know, talking about their schedule, um, Tarvin, I, I don't see any any reason to talk about the first two games, Tarvin. Do you? No, I mean, look, I mean, we're not going to sit here and joke around about it. Austin P. Western Kentucky, Tennessee won't overlook anybody right now. They're going to be fired up. They're two and zero going into Oregon Trey. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, and, uh, and we'll see if uh, if Jason Humphrey wants to call in on this Oregon game, Tarvin. So, what do you think? I mean, uh, does does Coach Latt and the Tennessee Vols do they do they have enough to go all the way out west in, in Bush Jones' first year? And, and while while I'm getting me to think about that, Tarvin, I want to talk about about Coach Jones and his first year. Um, this is a guy who, and I'm looking at Butch Jones, he has fired up the Tennessee base for sure, but, you know, I, was, I, look, I look at stats, and he's a 20, he's 20 and 15 over, overall in his six years of head coaching, uh, and he's been in his first year sort of an average coach. He was uh, 8 and 6 at Central Michigan uh, his first year, and he was 4 and 8 his first year at Cincinnati. So kind of you know, looking at that and what Butch Jones has done in his first year, Tarvin, let's, let's start with this Oregon game. What do you think? Well, the Oregon Ducks, I mean, Chip Kelly's not there. But, but I'll tell you this, this first year, it's not going to matter. The players are in position. Uh, the coaches still knows the system. It's going to be very tough for Tennessee to go up to Oregon and win in this game. That's a very, very tough environment. And I don't know, Trey, it's just so much speed on that field. One thing that worries me about Tennessee is their depth. Will they have enough depth to to keep up? I mean, they have two easier games in the first two weeks, but that second half, Oregon seems to wear teams out. 
and and he said that Oregon was a, a SEC team on the West Coast, and and those guys are pretty good. So I just don't see Tennessee getting past this game with a win. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, not only are they going on the road against really a top ten team, and Jason Humphrey, I think, is ready for a starving on on hold. Uh, let, we'll get to you uh, one second, Jason. Um, I, I think that the problem not only with, if I guess for Oregon in this game, Tarvin, is really Tennessee's offensive line. I think Tennessee might have the best offensive line in, in the SEC uh, this coming year. So that's going to keep them in games early. But the problem is going to be that awful, awful secondary. And it, are they able to improve that this year from what they did last year? And if they can stay in this game, they have a much better shot. And I think the folks realize because of that great offensive line, they're going to run the ball against Oregon. But they have to make well, sure they're not down because if they're down, Tarvin, they can't run the ball, and then it's going to get out of hand. Well, that's the thing, Trey. I mean, Oregon has struggled in the past against SEC fronts. And you're right, Tennessee does have the best offensive line in the country this in the SEC this year. They were one of the top last year. Um Look for them to, to try to get a quarterback going, and that's the key. They have to run, but they have to have quarterback play because you know Oregon's going to put up points. And if your secondary is struggling, you're lacking depth. Oregon could light you up. But I'm looking for Tennessee to come in and make it competitive. They could win. You just never know how Oregon's going to look. There's the third week of the season. By then, we should know who the better team's going to be. But at going to Austin Stadium trade, I just that's just going to be a tough task for a new coaching staff and a new you know, a young team and a new quarterback. So we're going to bring on, uh, I believe we have Jason Humphrey on the line. 541 area code, Jason. What's up, buddy? Hey, Vaughn, how are you guys doing? Here it's Rick down Oregon, Tennessee, on September the 14th. Uh, what do you think about it, man? What do you think about the Oregon Ducks against the Vols? Are the Vols going to come in and wax them? Well, if we fall asleep and don't play, They'll beat us, but what we have in um, in our favor is, yes, we have a new coach, but it's pretty much the same coaching staff as last year. The um, offense coordinator was there. I think the wide receiver and the defense line coach is the only two new coaches from last year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And, Jason, man, we appreciate you, you calling in, buddy. This is a big, loyal Duck fan, Jason Humphrey, out in Oregon. You know he's picking the Ducks, Trey, and I know you're picking the Ducks. Yeah, I, mean, I am going to pick the Ducks, but I, I'm going to tell you, I mean, obviously I don't know what the spread's going to be, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's gonna, this game's going to be closer than I think a lot of people think. I'm seeing some chat room chatter, 28 points, Oregon, this and that. I, I think that this game – and the offensive line is going to hit Oregon pretty good in the first half. Paul Ewing says 42-17. to 17. I just think that Tennessee is going to be able to hang in this game until the second half. I think then the secondary is going to get start getting beat and wearing down. But I think the offensive line is going to wear down Oregon's front, sort of front four um, a little bit in the first half. But I think Tennessee does lose this game, Tarvin. Well, I think the running game is important. That offensive line will push Oregon's front around, but being on the road, Gives that Oregon team a little fire on defense. So we'll see. We're both picking Oregon. And then, Trey, they go to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville. You know, these two teams hate each other. This is a rivalry, no matter who's good or, you know, who's bad. So any chance Tennessee can 
can pull this upset, Trey, after going to Oregon and playing a tough game. Yeah, I mean, I think that this, their schedule is going to get to them this year. Too many really good, really strong hit-you-in-the-mouth type games. I think this is going to be the first real physical game that Tennessee plays. Um, with you know, We're not sure what Florida's going to look like defensively this year, but I do think Jeff Driscoll is going to take enough – enough of a, a sort of upgrade from where he was last year to get over the top against Tennessee in this game. I think it's going to be close. I mean, last year we saw a 37-20 to 20 game. I, I think we're looking closer than last year, Tarvin. Uh, but I think, I think Florida has enough to, to, do it, you know, to do it at home against Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee, at this time, we're going to know how good they are. I mean, that's, that third game's tough, and now they go to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. And Tennessee – Seems to, you know, play Florida very well, and they know each other very well, the players. This is a rivalry. I think this game is going to be very close, and and the reason I say that is I think Tennessee can run the football with that offensive line, and I think Florida will struggle. You know, uh, Florida's strength on offense is not throwing the ball down the field on the secondary. They're running the football, and I think Tennessee's linebackers are very good, Trey, and I think they can stop that running game. Now, the thing is, they have to limit Florida's big plays and the special teams. If they can do that, Tennessee, you know, can win this game on the road in Gainesville. They're no stranger. If you can go to Oregon and play, you can go to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and play. It's going to be a very close trade, but I think Florida will barely sneak by this game. Yeah, I and mean, this is going to be the first game, I think, that we really – um, at least for Tennessee, where they, they really are going to play a quarterback who has a chance to really mature into something. I mean, you know, obviously in Oregon they're going to see some pretty good quarterback play, but they're a system type of offense. They're going to run around, throw the ball around. But, you know, with with, with, with Driscoll, I mean, this guy is supposed to be, you know, he was came off really, really good in, at a high school. So does he mature into the really big quarterback that Florida thought he was going to be? And, and is this the game that he comes out? So we'll have to see. I mean, if Driscoll does um, – does you know progress from last year? I think you know Tennessee's gonna have problems with their secondary in this game. All right, we'll take us on to the next one. All right, so Tarvin, you know, looking past that, we both have them at two and two, and you know, this is the South Florida game, Tarvin. You know, not much to say here. They were two and eleven last year. Uh, South Alabama. Well, well, is sorry, LSU. Yeah, South Alabama. It was South, yeah, South Alabama. Alabama. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're not gonna win this game. So Tennessee will roll here. This will be the sort of get guys healthy for Tennessee after two two games on the road. So they'll be three and two after this game. Yep, and, and you know, this, this takes us to Georgia, Trey, coming into Neyland Stadium. Uh, just like Coach Led said, they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball. They are at home. That crowd's going to be crazy, and they're going to be hungry after two road games at Oregon and Florida. The South Alabama is just a chance to get healthy, catch your breath. Tennessee is going to come in, Trey, and they're going to knock off Georgia in Neyland Stadium. And this is a big rival game. Tennessee always plays Georgia pretty good, and they're going to knock it off and pull the upset on October 5th. Yeah, Tarvin, you beat me to the punch on this, and I agree with you. I mean, I want to disagree with you just for the show, but, I mean, you got to think about <laughs> Tennessee put 44 points up on Georgia in that defense last year. And they have a better offensive line this year. I think you're going to see them run the ball very successfully against Georgia, and they're going to be able to control the. I think enough of that offense to keep Georgia's offense off off the field. So I, I think that Tennessee, you know, when I'm looking at it now on paper, even with the quarterback, you know, and the receiver issues, I think they're going to be able to run the ball against Georgia, and I, I think they're going to. I think Georgia gets snicked there. Yeah, Georgia's in trouble. I mean, their schedule's tough too, especially at the first and. 
And, you know, they could possibly be overlooking a Tennessee team, Trey, with a lot of youth on defense. And the linebackers of Tennessee is good enough to hold that running game for Georgia. Aaron Murray is going to get – he's in trouble this year. He should have gone pro. He's coming back to a disaster. So we're both picking Tennessee, surprisingly, over Georgia. So so what does that make them, 4-2 and two right now after six games? Yes. Four and two after six games in the open day, and I think if they're four and two, they're going to be really happy as a Tennessee fan. If you're four and two after September in that first October game, you you have to be happy coming in after what happened last year. So the open days here, Trey, South Carolina comes into Neyland Stadium without Lattimore, and a lot of talent. Clowney is the offensive line for Tennessee good enough to hold off Clowney for an entire game because this guy can take over a game, Trey. I'm gonna let you pick first in this one. I don't want to. I don't want you to put me on the spot. <laughs> well, sir, but you know this game again. Tennessee played a lot of close games last year. I mean, this was a three-point loss, and they were at South Carolina. Uh, you know, but I think this is this year. Uh, Spurrier's gonna have another good year. I don't think he loses to, to Tennessee. I think you know they get bit by the Gamecocks again in a very very close game. But I think Tennessee loses this game. Unfortunately, coming off the bye week, I, I like Spurrier in this game. So I think uh, Tennessee, I got on four and three. Yeah, I think South Carolina's, you know, very good this year. They're going to be uh, Connor Shaw's going to be healthy, and you know they've been snubbed the last couple of years in the East. I mean, Georgia's had the, you know, the the favorable schedules, and South Carolina, in my opinion, has been the best team. And they've been left out. So I'm going to pick South Carolina in a close one. Tennessee and South Carolina play close games. It's going to be a dogfight. It could be anybody's game. But after that emotional Georgia win, I'm going to go with South Carolina here. And, Trey, before we move on to our next game, I'm going to go to a commercial break for 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. Well, Trey, after that 4-3 and three start that we have predicted for the Tennessee Volunteers, they get to travel to Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. And, I mean, this is uh, – Tennessee always plays Alabama tough, it seems like, in Tuscaloosa. It just seems like for some reason, you know, they, they're the kryptonite here for Alabama. But, but Trey, I'm going to pick this one first. I just don't know if they have it yet to be able to go knock off the defending champions. Like Coach said, Alabama doesn't make mistakes. And when they do, it just seems like they, they have so much talent. And I look at the wideouts right now for Alabama and A.J. McCarron at home. I just don't know if they can keep up with these receivers. Alabama has some of the best receivers in the country, and the running game's not too shabby. They did lose some on the line, Trey. So I'm going to have to pick the tide in this one. Yeah, unfortunately for Tennessee, I don't see the result being a whole lot of difference than the last year's result, you know, 44-13. to 13. I think the tide rolls. A.J. McCarron's too polished of a quarterback. Unless Tennessee's secondary really comes on a lot different than I suspect they will, they're going to lose this game and be at 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, 4-4 four and four going into Missouri, which is a very important game because this starts. Tennessee, looking at that schedule, Trey, 4-4 four and four is not bad considering your next four games. 
you're probably going to be favored in all four of them. So four and four, just think if they could win four in a row, that's eight and four. That's a very successful season in the first campaign of, of Coach Jones and the staff. So now they go to Missouri, Trey. Tell us about this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they beat Missouri. I mean, but if you look, I mean, Tarvin, you know, they lost this game in a bunch of overtimes last year. I don't think they let this happen. And this is one of the games that I think the new coaching staff, um, you know, Coach Jones now changes the results. So I think, you know, this was the last year, last year. It's a win this year, Tarvin. Yeah, I think I think they're going to come out and and get a little revenge. You know, to come out and play at Missouri. Missouri's a good team, you know, in ways they have. I think Missouri had to find out what it was like to play in the SEC, and I don't know. There's something about it this year. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll take a step forward this year. Is what I'm trying to say. Tennessee goes on the road and they take care of Missouri. So schedule starting to look easier, Trey. Yeah, I mean that, that takes us to your game, Tarvin. I mean the Auburn game coming into Tennessee. Uh, this is the one that kind of gives me a little bit of concern. I really, you know, I really don't know what we're going to think or see out of Auburn. I really, you know, I really don't know by this point, you know, how Tennessee is going to be holding together with injuries. So this one's really hard to pick at this point. Um, but I, I, because it's at home, Tarvin, I'm going to go with Tennessee in this game. Yeah, I mean, this this time of year right now, Auburn's going to know how good they are as well. You have a new coaching staff, and I really think Auburn's going to be that team that, that they they fight for four quarters. The only thing is Auburn's breaking in a new quarterback, too. I mean, I don't know yet about the quarterback situation, Trey. I think Nick Marshall's going to be the guy. We don't know yet. But Auburn does have a very strong defense this year coming back. I think they're, they're a lot stronger, bigger, more experienced. Uh, the offensive line of Tennessee is their strength. So going right here November 9th on the road, Neyland. I don't know. It's, it just seems like a tricky game. I want to pick Tennessee in this game, but it's going to be very, very close. Yeah, so we both have them uh, right now. Uh, two games over 500, Tarvin. So if that's if that, that's where they are, they're looking they're looking pretty good. Uh, you know, we have Paul Ewing who says Malzahn's offense, and he's, he's telling us. So you have some people who think Auburn's going to surprise folks in the chat room, Tarvin. So maybe you're right. Uh, See, I'm just right. trying to Excuse throw me. people off, Trey. I'm just trying to get some comments in the chat room. Me picking Tennessee. Do you really think I'm picking Tennessee over Auburn, dude? Come on, <laughs> come on, Trey. Come on now. Nah, I mean it's gonna be a good game. I was wanting you to say something, but it's gonna be a good game. I could see it's a toss-up. You have two teams that mirror each other, really, and and you know, being new coaches and coming off disappointing seasons. But I guarantee you this, it's going to be a dogfight because when I'm there, Auburn always plays good, Trey, and I'll be there. <laughs> All right. So your true pick, you have them, at, you have them less wins than I do right now. So, you know, Tarvin, moving on to the next game for Tennessee, uh, this is the one that gave, uh, after an open date, this is the one that you, know, you heard coach, the most pause, I think, in Coach Lutt. Um, because really Vanderbilt took them to the woodshed last year, 41-18. to uh, I don't see the same result this year, Tarvin. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt's got a lot more turnover this year. I think this is another game that Tennessee's able to flip and get the win. Yeah, I saw that in his voice, too. There's something about that game that, that uh, man, it's just something hit a nerve with him. And, and you know, Vanderbilt is that team, Trey, that, that just rubs Tennessee the wrong way. They they came in last year and beat a Tennessee team that quit on Dooley at the time. Vanderbilt never beats Tennessee. 
last year was a fluke. Tennessee takes care of Vanderbilt and, and puts them back in their place in the state. I like Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Kentucky Wildcats. This is a game that 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 he didn't like much either, and I think I think they circle these games on their calendar. There's some hate there with these teams here at the end of the season, and and I don't blame them. Kentucky, something with Stoops coming in trying to rebuild his team. Trey, do you think they have enough here in Kentucky to beat a Tennessee team? Because I don't think they're going to be as good this year, like Paul said in the chat room. It's going to be a few years down the road if they can compete, but I don't think it's this year. I think Tennessee takes care of Kentucky with ease. Well, I think Kentucky, and we'll talk about them later, but they're not going to—they're not going to lose ten games this year. But they're not going to win this game either. I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, they're still years away. They—they they surprised us in recruiting, but those guys aren't ready. Tennessee's got more guys on the field, more talent. Uh, so Tennessee wins this game, Tarvin, which which puts them at eight and four in my book. Eight and four. I mean, you have to think about it. I mean, eight and four. A very successful season in the SEC with that schedule, Trey. If they go eight and four, I have them seven and five. You have them eight and four. Um, that's very successful either way you look at it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think honestly, eight and four, seven and five, they're going to be in one of those two places. I don't see Tennessee anywhere else other than those two positions. Um, I, I think that's a very successful year. They'll go to a bowl game. Uh, and they'll get a chance to win one of those bowl games. So for Tennessee, you know, this is, you know, from the 5-7 and seven game, or excuse me, 5-7 and seven schedule they had last year, I mean, this would be a huge turnaround. Yeah, and Cuervo's on the line with us. He's picking 6-6 six and six for the ball, 7-5 and five maybe. Cuervo, I mean, your expectations seem, seem just about right. Yeah, I mean, I just posted in the chat room, guys, 6-6, uh, six and six, I'm hoping crossing my fingers for seven and five. That's that's to me a realistic goal that I think Tennessee can can make. Yeah, I mean it's a tough schedule, Cuervo. We talked about that with Coach Lett, and it just seemed like every game was just a murderer's row. I mean, Oregon, Florida on the road, then you come back with Georgia, South Carolina home, then you go to Bryant Denny, and then you have Auburn coming in at Missouri. I mean, it's a tough, tough schedule this year. The out of conference three out of four are easily easily winnable, but I mean that Oregon game's tough, that third game. Yeah, that that game that game is, is gonna be one of those typical games that I always talk about where, you know, Tennessee will stay with them in the first half. You watch. You watch this in this in this game against Oregon. They're going to stay with them in the first half. It's going to be like a, you know, a twenty to thirteen type game or something like that. And then come second half, Oregon's just going to turn on the Jets. And before you you got to blink, and before you know it, it's going to be thirty four thirteen, and you're going to be like, what the hell happened? And by then the game's <laughs> going to be out of reach, and 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 that's pretty much it. You can kiss it goodbye, you know. Shut the door on Tennessee. That, that game's done with. So, you know, it's that, that's what I see. That's what I because that's exactly how it went down when Oregon came to Knoxville. If, if you guys remember a few years ago, Tennessee was right there with them. They they yeah. they played a great game in the first half, and it came second half. You blinked your eyes, and Oregon put twenty one points on the board. Yeah, they did. It's gonna be it's gonna be very. I mean, just interesting to see. Cuervo, I'll ask you real quick, since I'm an Auburn fan, you're a Tennessee guy. 
Tell me about that game. A lot of people are saying Tennessee is going to beat Auburn this year. What are your thoughts? 65 nothing Vols. I'm sorry, Tarvin. hate to break it to you, but uh, that's going to happen. <laughs> wow, man. I'll, 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 take, no. I'll take 65. I'll take that. <laughs> no, it's going to be tough. I mean, new coaching staff for Auburn means new attitude. New attitude means, yeah. uh, you know, just new mindset. So I, I look for Auburn to, you know, kind of be that old Auburn that I'm used to seeing back when – uh, Dansby was there and guys like that, real physical, uh, you know, run the ball down your throat type, you know, game with Ronnie Brown and Cadillac. I still have nightmares about that game sometimes. But, uh, I mean, it, it's it's going to be a hard-fought game. It's going to be real physical. And I think it, it could come down to, you know, the, the small things that football teams have to do to win games. It could be a penalty. It could be a turnover. It could be a punt return. So it's going to be really close. I mean, of course, you're going to go with Auburn. I'm going to go with Tennessee. Let's see what happens, though. I think it's going to be a really close game. Well, well, here's a stat I'll throw out to you guys real quick before we get out of here. You know, I've been to Auburn's probably about 85% in games I go to on the road. So, I mean, this is huge right here. So when you place your bet, you better think about that. I'll be there. And I'll be right beside Tennessee fans. I'll be right in their section, you know, eating it up. And if we win, it's going to be fun. If we lose, I'll just sit down and shut up, you know, and and, and let the Vols fans enjoy it since I have family is going to be with me. But, Cuervo, thanks for joining us. And, and I want to thank again Coach Lett for coming on the show. That was a great interview, Trey. I mean, he, he broke it down good for us. And I really do love his enthusiasm. Absolutely. You know, it's like I said before, you know, you, you got to love the fact that you have not only Coach Jones, but, uh, you know, other coaches like Coach Lett, up, these up-and-coming coaches uh, who are coming to the SEC and are really hungry uh, for not only, you know, the school they're at, but also to win those games in the SEC. I mean, you know, Tennessee won one game in the SEC last year. So they are, you know, Coach Lett keeps using the word hungry. I can see why. Because they are, they want to win. I mean, one, winning one game in the SEC is clearly not the, what they want to do. They're going to go after each game, each one of those opponents in the SEC, and they're going to really try to to really win more than one. Well, well, the highlight of the night was Coach Led, of course. That was the second highlight of the night. But the first highlight of the night was his mom calling in Trey and and giving a shout out to her son. I mean, how proud she is. I mean, I. I wish a lot more parents would do that for their kids, support them like that, and, and really be proud of them. You can tell she's very proud of her son coaching in the SEC, one of his dreams. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, great, great, just a great guest overall, great family from what I can tell. Really enjoy him. And we're going to have him on every Sunday after the game to break these down. So it's going to be very interesting to I mean, we're going to get the inside of Tennessee from the coach, actually, that's on the sideline with him, and he'll tell us a lot more, trade than you and I can look on a TV and tell. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, guys, it's been a great show. Thanks for joining us tonight. We will be back on Wednesday night, and that means we're going to break down two college football teams, and we're going to start breaking down our NFL divisions. We're going to do it by, you know, I guess we'll start out, trade with the NFC South, in the AFC South on Wednesday night. And go ahead and tell us the two college teams we're going to break down. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stick with one of Tennessee's opponents. Let's, we're gonna do Oregon, uh, and then you know Tarvin, we're, we're gonna do Oregon, and then we're gonna take we're gonna take down Michigan too. Oregon and Michigan go down in flames Wednesday night here, and guys, we're gonna break it down for you. I mean, you know, I'm 92 percent on my predictions for the last 10 years, so you better listen. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm kidding, and I'm going to, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that bet with Cuervo, the 65 points as well in Auburn for about a million dollars. I'm going to go to the bank and get a loan. I want to thank Sonia for coming on tonight, uh, talking about her tide with Coach, and also Michael Cowart, you know, for calling in, asking that great question. And I want to shout out to Bruce in the chat room, big ball fan, Bruce Cowart, Jason Humphrey joined us. I want to thank him for calling in, Jonathan Miklos, Jimmy Abram, Paul Ewing. Sonia and Jason, of course, Cuervo, and some other listeners just left the chat room. But Wednesday night, Humphrey said he's calling in to talk about his ducks, and we'll get hopefully Rick from Michigan will call in. We haven't heard from him in a while. We'll see what he's up to. But everybody have a great week. And, Trey, thanks for, for joining us and doing a great job, and we'll see you Wednesday. All right, buddy. See you. See ya. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.